Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on August 23rd, 2021 from my home studio here in Columbia. Also, a happy belated birthday to Mialligator, also known as Allie Robertson, one of our good old leaders out there listening. Thanks, Allie. Happy birthday. And just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features a look at comments from the state congressional delegation on the trillion dollar infrastructure bill earmarks and the state of play in Afghanistan. We have the latest data from DHEC on the climbing cases and hospitalizations in our state. Scott Morgan has an in-depth look at how veterans are getting shut out of the red-hot housing market in our state, and Pfizer gets full approval from the FDA, leading to calls from Governor Henry McMaster to President Joe Biden to folks to get vaccinated as our state nears 47% full vaccination status. Also, we're back. You're hearing us. We want to hear from you. So tell us your stories. We set up a voicemail box to hear from y'all about what's going on in your life. School's back in session. Summer's winding down. Let us know what's going on with you at 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and uh, just what's going on. Let's catch up. It's been a minute. 803-563-7169. The Hopper needs you. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is ongoing, widespread, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 10,314 total deaths, and currently, there are 695,489 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of August 23rd at 4 p.m. Over the past two weeks, there have been 51,544 total cases. Our current seven-day moving average for cases is 3,959. For the week ending August 21st, we saw 121 deaths, which was down from 143 a week prior. Now, these are numbers we haven't seen since early March, and they're continuing to be very high here. Our percent positive remains elevated at 12.7%. Currently, 1,942 patients are hospitalized, 497 are in intensive care, and 288 are on ventilators. All of those numbers are up since our last podcast episode. Currently in South Carolina, 55.3% of eligible South Carolinians have received at least one vaccine shot, and 46.6%, or 2,001,367 residents, have completed vaccination. Overall in the country, 6 million shots were distributed in the last seven days, and now 71% of folks 12 and over have received their first shot. Gotta get the numbers up to get down, folks. Gotta get up to get down. That's what I've been told. Okay, I hope you heeded my call from the last episode and didn't look at any coverage of the congressional delegation from last week. If you did, that's okay. We'll go a little bit more in depth with what lawmakers were telling business leaders last week at the South Carolina Chamber of Commerce's Washington Night event. There were several panel discussions focused on the Senate-approved infrastructure plan, earmarks, and inflation, to name a few. Senator Lindsey Graham, the senior senator for the state, started off the event and discussed why he supported the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill. Uh, the three and a half trillion dollar reconciliation package is not infrastructure, it is socialism. The trillion dollar bill made sense to me because I really think we do need infrastructure. How many of you people believe that we need a facelift in South Carolina? I think I'd like to get more money in roads and bridges. So the bottom line is the bill allows $250 billion of money dedicated to COVID to be transferred to infrastructure. 
and there's a lot of money laying around that probably can't be spent wisely on COVID, but could be spent wisely on infrastructure. Uh, the bill, in my view, is paid for. It's a trillion dollars. It's $551 billion of new spending. $665 billion for broadband, rural broadband. What have we experienced uh, during COVID? Virtual schools, just kind of a lockdown society. And rural America needs high-speed internet for us to flourish. Do you agree with that? $65 billion of grants to do that last mile. So I think on balance, it was a win for the Senate as an institution. It's a billion dollars more for the state of South Carolina over a five-year period. And I think our infrastructure needs in this state are real. We're growing fast because people want to come here. Secretary Hall has just given me a letter supporting the package. Senator Tim Scott voted against the trillion-dollar infrastructure bill, and House Republicans are looking to do the same. However, 7th Congressional District Representative Tom Rice gave himself some breathing room with his comments about the bill compared to his counterparts in the delegation. I recognize that we're not in the majority right now. We're in the minority. There are things going to be in any bill that we pass that we don't like. Uh, I've studied hard on this bill. I, 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 nobody is in favor of the $3.5 trillion reconciliation package, but the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill and the $3.5 trillion reconciliation package are two different things. Nancy Pelosi wants to tie them together, and if they get tied together, we're all those. But if we get a separate vote on the $1.2 trillion, that makes it a lot tougher. It's really not a $1.2 trillion bill, because we always, we will put forth a reauthorization of the highway bill, which is paid for by the gas tax. And that's about $650 billion of the $1.2 trillion. So that takes it down to $550 billion. Now of that $550 billion, $110 goes to roads, $60 goes to broadband, $40 goes to uh, uh, our electrical grid. I don't know if you've read about the weaknesses in our electrical grid, but these, these are things that need to be paid attention to. Now some of the money goes to things that I wouldn't support necessarily, like EV charging stations and so forth. But I don't know. If you look around South Carolina, we need some infrastructure investment. So uh, uh, I'm going to study on the details of this bill. I, I'm going to wait until the last minute before I decide which way I'm going to vote. Graham, who is the senior Republican on the Budget Committee, said that he is in favor of earmarks to bring federal money to the state after more than a decade of the use of member-directed spending was out of favor. Graham's stance, however, differed with his Republican colleagues who were against them. House Majority Whip Jim Clyburn, who was pre-recorded via Zoom, gave these anecdotes about earmarks and why he supports them. Absolutely, I intend to use them. Uh, look, uh, the Lake Man Regional Water Agency, that everybody is talking about how successful that program has been. I was criticized profusely uh, when I earmarked the Lake Man Regional Water Agency. But if I had not done it, the Volvo plant would not be sitting where it is today. Now, people can say anything they want to say to the contrary, but that's how we beat Georgia out for the Volvo plant. Uh, Airmarks, go down to Britain's Neck uh, and see how they got their first water system. Uh, go over to Williamsburg County and see how they got 134 miles of water lines. And my 10, 20, 30 program uh, is what allowed that to happen. So what I've been trying to do ever since I've been in the Congress is to make this system work for everybody, making sure that rural, low-income rural people have good, clean water to drink. 
make sure that rural hospitals stay open. Four of them just closed here in South Carolina in the last 10 years. If we had earmarks, if we had this 10, 20, 30 funding formula, if we had broadband, all these things would still be open and flourishing. Reporters spoke with Senator Graham before the event, where he covered a variety of issues from Afghanistan to this response on the Biden administration criticizing some Republican governors' handling of the pandemic. Well, uh, to be honest with you, I think uh, the COVID problem is best solved by getting vaccinated. Uh, You know, masking makes sense in some circumstance. Mandates for masks, I'd leave that up to the local community. People know better than than I would as to whether or not you should wear a mask. I got a simple message. Uh, I got the COVID infection after being vaccinated. Two days, it was really tough. The vaccines are widely available. Take it. It can save you from a lot of heartache as an individual, and it may uh, prevent you from spreading it to somebody else more vulnerable. So the sooner we can get our vaccination rates up, uh, the easier it will be to go on about normal life. So that's my message. If you don't, if you haven't had the vaccine, please consider taking it. Governor Henry McMaster said it is our duty to accept Afghan refugees who helped Americans during the 20-year Afghan war. These are people who have special immigrant visas. McMaster is still awaiting word from the State Department on how many South Carolinians remain in Afghanistan. But as for Afghanistan resettlements in the state, Senator Graham said he has seen firsthand the importance such Afghans have played during his dozens of trips to the region and welcomes them to the United States. But Graham fears for the future of Afghanistan and the growing terror threat the Taliban poses to national and international security. It's really not about President Biden, it's about our long-term national security interest. We're blind and naked now in Afghanistan. Uh, A small contingent of special forces and CIA operatives along the Afghan-Pakistan border and at Bagram Air Base would be enough military capability to prevent another 9-11. Right now, we're completely dependent on over-the-horizon counterterrorism forces. I think that's a military fantasy. So giving up the footprint we had in Afghanistan for counterterrorism, I think increases the likelihood of another 9-11 tenfold. And I hate to say that, but there'll be an assessment soon coming from the intel community about the um, the speeding up of an al-Qaeda threat to the United States by our withdrawal. I told President Trump, if you leave Afghanistan, uh, the place will fall into disarray. As long as we had some of our soldiers on the ground watching the terrorists, we would be safe at home. You cannot defend America without any Americans on the ground in Afghanistan. House lawmakers on August recess right now and will be doing committee work through the middle of September. They won't take up any votes until September 20th, but I did catch up with South Carolina Department of Transportation Secretary Christy Hull, and she says it's not a matter of if the $1.2 trillion bill is passed, but when. So stay tuned, folks. We have a business section for you. Well, it's more of the Scott Morgan section. Scott gives us an extended look into how the Charlotte metro region mirrors the red-hot housing activity that we're seeing around the state and country, and how it's also shutting out folks like veterans. Here's Scott. Try to buy a house in York County right now. I dare you. If you're a military veteran, I double dare you. 
It's just in the last six months that it's gotten extremely hard for the vets. Karen Shaler Wong is a real estate agent in Charlotte who specializes in working with military veterans who want to use VA loans to buy houses. But, says Shaler Wong, in a market like York County's, where any new house to hit the listings is a bucket of chum in a shark tank, trying to compete against cash offers that soar well above asking prices with a VA loan isn't easy. So I probably have 35 or 40 people or groups of people that are waiting for something or trying, um, have put in multiple offers to only to be refused and are looking again and again and again, because you never know. Well, actually, we kind of do. A smaller percentage of existing homes sold in York County this year so far involve a VA loan compared to sales in 2018, 2019, and 2020. That's backed up by data from Canopy MLS, tracking sales of existing homes in York County from January 1st, 2018 to July 1st of this year. The data show a noticeable drop in VA loans used to buy homes here this year, and 2021's numbers are on pace to be the lowest in years. Shaler Wong says this is a bad side effect of a real estate market that's hotter than it's ever been. It's gotten so tight that people are really looking at the asking prices as a starting point for their offers. So not only are they going over asking, then they add on the 25 to 3% and they don't appraise. So the vet is now stuck with either he has to come up with all kinds of cash or he can't buy that house and has to back out. The MLS data show that the total money buyers actually paid in closing prices in York County in the first half of this year was $9 million above what those houses were originally listed for. That's new. Closing prices never even got close to asking prices in the three years prior. And whereas the median number of days on the market in the county used to be in the teens, this year so far, it's three. In the bacchanalia that such a market fosters, sellers can take offers that they know will be fast and easy. Shaler Wong says buyers are so eager to win bidding wars that they're forgoing inspections and waiving appraisals, the latter of which buyers using VA loans cannot do. Some sellers were apprehensive to allow veterans to, to purchase their homes because of the waiting period that we also have. Tamitra Easton is a newly retired chief petty officer who served 20 years in the U.S. Navy. She moved to Fort Mill in May after spending a year and a half looking for a house in town. The waiting period, she mentioned, is one of the stipulations about using a VA loan to buy a home that puts military vets at a disadvantage in really hot housing markets. Now, we'll get to that all more fully in a minute, but for the moment, just know that closing with a VA loan can take longer than closing with conventional loans or cash, both of which are options more buyers have turned to this year compared to the past three. Easton says that other benefits of VA loans, like waived closing costs, have also been a tough sell to sellers around here. I think that makes them a little apprehensive as well because they feel that they may have to cover the closing costs or come out of pocket more when dealing with veterans. You know, so it's been it's been a rough road. I mentioned a moment ago that Easton lives in Fort Mill. To be more exact, she lives in a garden apartment in Fort Mill, not a house. In her year and a half looking for one, things went a little something like this. I saw this house that was perfect. It was just exactly what I was looking for. It had been advertised for 11 hours. We put a bid in. We were number 13. Easton still thought she had a shot because the seller kept asking questions. Unfortunately for her, one of those questions was whether she'd be willing to commit $11,000 in cash on top of her offer. And I was like, I can't commit to that right now. So uh, so we lost out and, and we found out when it closed that the person who won the bid paid an additional $17,000. The thing is, it's not as if Easton wasn't good for it. 
She says she's careful with her money, and she did save up for a situation like this. She just didn't want to spend above a certain amount and make herself house poor. She grew up in East Orange, New Jersey, where, fun fact, Joe Clark, the bat-wielding high school principal immortalized in the movie Lean On Me, was her principal. Easton says she has no plans to go anywhere near poverty like that again. Over a year and a half, Easton formally bid on three homes and lost them all. She says because her no-down payment, waived closing fee, longer closing time, mandated appraisals VA loan has been less attractive to sellers who right now have the king's choice of offers. I've been taking a little bit of, of a break because, you know, rejection hurts, you know, so you kind of want to take a break and just kind of regroup. Under that pain of rejection is the nagging sense that sellers have a lot of preconceived notions about home buying military vets. That doesn't sit well with Chris Burke. He's the vice president of Mortgage Insight and Education at Veterans United, the country's largest vet-focused lender. And he balks at a popular misconception people have. That's that a VA buyer isn't a strong home buying candidate, that they're not a good bet. And the reality is the opposite. Like A pre-approved VA buyer is about the safest bet that you can find. In fact, over the past six years, VA loans nationally have had the highest closing success percentage of all loan types. Still, misconceptions about VA buyers run deep in the bones of sellers and their agents. Burke says sellers' agents often steer their clients away from VA buyers with tales of tangled red tape and exaggerated closing times hinging on long and potentially costly appraisal and inspection proceedings. Well, VA closings generally only take about three more days than conventional loans, and the Veterans Administration does not actually mandate inspections. VA does mandate an appraisal to establish the fair market value of a property. The problem in a market like York County's right now is that fair market value appraisal is likely to be a lot lower than that of someone waving a pile of cash on top of asking. Of course, even going over asking doesn't always help. My first offering on the home went in at 218, and the home was only for 210. Shante Brooks lives in Rock Hill. Before that, she spent 10 years as a petroleum specialist in the U.S. Army. And she asked me if I could come up more than 218, which I had some save, but I felt like, I mean, come on, this, this house is only 210. I'm offering 218. Obviously, they're going to take it. And they didn't. And it actually it sold for 214. You heard that right. Brooks offered $8,000 above asking. The seller said no and then sold the house for less than what she had offered for it. I mean, honestly, I didn't know how to feel. Well, I was, I was mad. <laughs> Furious, actually. And hurt. Brooks says she doesn't know what the deciding factor was for the seller. Maybe an all-cash deal, which she admits she would have taken, too. And Brooks did land a house on her next try. But that speaks to something veterans are dealing with more and more frequently in this corner of the Charlotte metro market. They're finding homes, just not their first choice homes. The house that I really, really wanted was in like a really great neighborhood. Here, I'm not a big fan of the neighborhood, but I'm like, well, just have to do what I have to for now, you know. She does like her house. She does. But she is looking to move in about five years, probably closer to Columbia, which has Fort Jackson and Shaw Air Force Base close by. She says she wants to be someplace more military friendly than what she's found York County to be at least when it comes to home sellers. That was Scott Morgan with South Carolina Public Radio. Thanks for that update from the Wild West that is the current housing market in the Charlotte metro area. You can find that report and more at SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org.
we got some important news leading off our medical section here. That's Pfizer receiving the full approval from the FDA on Monday for its COVID-19 vaccine after more than 200 million doses had already been given out since December under a prior emergency use authorization. The full approval comes after months of study, data collection, and real-world safety evidence examined by the FDA. The AP reports that six months into Pfizer's original study of the vaccine that it remained 97% protective against severe COVID-19. Protection against milder infection waned slightly from a peak of 96% two months after the second dose to 84% by six months. Those data came before the extra contagious Delta variant began spreading, but other data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention shows the vaccine is still doing a good job preventing severe disease caused by the variant. This approval also gives Pfizer the ability to market the vaccine under its brand name. Comirnaty. Yeah, not really wild about that name either. We can just keep saying Pfizer, huh? All right. The Department of Defense is already moving forward with its plan to require service members to be vaccinated now that Pfizer has received full approval. Pentagon officials said Monday that having a healthy and vaccinated fighting force is critical to the national security of the United States. Now, full approval of this Pfizer vaccine will also lead to mandates in other places, such as colleges and businesses. But as of right now, the full approval does not cover those 12 to 15 years old. So not going to be in those middle to high schools yet. President Joe Biden, who is facing declining favorability numbers these days, heralded the news Monday at a press conference. After a strict process, the FDA has reaffirmed its findings that the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine is safe and effective, and the FDA has given its full and final approval. So let me say this uh, loudly and clearly. If you have, if you're one of the millions of Americans who said that they uh, will not get the shot when it's until it has full and final approval of the FDA, it has now happened. The moment you've been waiting for is here. It's time for you to go get your vaccination and get it today, today. The Delta variant is dangerous and spreading, causing a pandemic of the unvaccinated. That's the pandemic, the unvaccinated. And while we're starting to see initial signs that cases may be declining in a few places, nationwide cases are still rising, especially among the unvaccinated. Across the country, virtually all the COVID-19 hospitalizations and deaths continue to be among the unvaccinated. Biden told parents to keep their kids safe by getting them vaccinated if they're old enough, have those around children be vaccinated, and have the kids mask up when they leave the house. Governor Henry McMaster took to Twitter on Monday with the same sentiment that Biden took later in the day. McMaster said, With today's U.S. FDA approval of the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine, South Carolinians can be even more confident that the vaccine is safe and effective. I encourage those who want to get a vaccine to get one as soon as possible. And we're going to wrap up our medical section here with some more DHEC data. DHEC is now regularly providing monthly data looking at the status of those who are vaccinated and unvaccinated. In fact, you probably have seen several hospital systems breaking down such data about current patients in the hospital for COVID. But among the 26,848 COVID cases reported in July, DHEC found the following. 88% of those cases were considered not fully vaccinated. Among the 550 reported cases who were hospitalized with COVID-19, 77% were considered not fully vaccinated. And among the 110 reported deaths, 79% were considered not fully vaccinated. So what does all this mean? 
Well, Dr. Brandon Traxler, who's public health director, said in a statement that the rise of highly transmissible variants like Delta and lagging vaccination rates have led to increases in these categories overall, including breakthrough cases. But it is important to note that cases, hospitalizations, and deaths among fully vaccinated residents are still rare. And in most situations of breakthrough cases, the person has no symptoms or very mild ones that clear up in a matter of days. But have you wondered how much this is costing us? Since at the end of the day, those of us with health insurance will have to pay for those being treated in hospitals to the tune of $20,000 for an average COVID hospitalization. Now, this will be paid, you know, through premiums or taxes at some point. A Kaiser Family Foundation analysis estimated there were around 37,000 preventable coronavirus hospitalizations among unvaccinated Americans in June, and another 76,000 in July. Welcome to our wind down section, our little break from the news. We're talking about life during the pandemic and want to hear your stories as well. Tell us what's up with you, what you're doing, maybe what you're not doing these days. How back to school is going if you're a college student or a high school or middle school or a parent dealing with all this. Let us know what's going on. We want to hear from you guys. 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and what's going on. ET, has, has anyone called? Hey, you guess what? Hmm? We got one. Oh, we got one. (laughs) We got one. We did it, Joe. (laughs) Yeah, we got a new one. Uh, It's pretty nice. It's nice to have a new one. It's nice to know people are still listening. Yeah, you know, we're here. Even if you're not a a a student, like Gavin says, we're all students in life. Yes. And he, Gavin, you're our teacher. Thank (laughs) you so much. (laughs) You know, and even I don't stop learning. You know this on a day to day basis. Oh, we're absolute student of life. Okay. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) let's get to uh, our quick call. AT, Gavin, so thankful that you are back in South Carolina and that you're back with the FE Lead podcast. This is Ben Davis, Greenville, South Carolina. And I just want you to know that while you were away, we were making, well, before you went away, we were making progress on uh, COVID pandemic. And then you went away. And the bottom fell out. So, I hope you're still responsible in some part for how uh, information, good information, has uh, stopped up. And uh, I hope you guys have, are very successful in keeping us informed so that we can beat back this information and maybe even beat back the COVID uh, Delta variant. So thankful you're back. Hope you had a great time. Bye-bye. Ben Davis, always great to hear from you. Ben, we acknowledge the fact that we may have been a contributing factor to the recent surge. We apologize that we took vacation time, folks. We again, we thought we had a, a we had clearance for that time off yeah. from the media gods, but we uh, we did not. There's really never a good time to take off in these this business, but uh, we thought we had a, an opening and. Sure enough, like you said, bottom fell out when we came back, for sure. We thought we nailed it, and just, man, what a mess. Mm -hmm. I mean, but Gavin and I also, we are vain enough to to love to think we are that important. (laughs) Yeah, we (laughs) controlled it. I mean, August is always like, you know, I always vacation in August just because, like they said, August is just a month-long Sunday, you know, some people say. Obviously, things are going on. Saturday. Saturday. Come on. (laughs) No, that's all Saturday. Saturday. Uh, But yeah, so uh, we're going to take a couple more days off before the month's over but oh of course you <laughs> we'll, are we'll be yeah, we'll course. be 
giving you more pods Not because me. we I'll don't still be here, guys. We don't, don't want anything to happen <laughs> any more so than it already is. <laughs> Again, our apologies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I took another. I took another little vacation this past weekend. You know, I know it took two Shocker, weeks, but I just crazy. had to. I just needed some more time off. So I just had to tack one more on there. Yeah, went down to Edisto, <laughs> visit my friend Kate and some of her friends that were visiting. Really nice. You know, you really can't beat it. You know, it's, it's different when you're doing something like that where you're just chilling out, looking at the marsh and chilling out, maxing, the dock. relaxing, yeah. all cool. Yeah, yeah I get shooting it. some yeah, b-ball. Yeah. Up. You know, but then just, listen to this. There are these <laughs> okay. <laughs> these guys showed so up in my neighborhood. I got into one little fight, and uh, my mom got now, scared. So uh, my I'm mom actually, sent me here. I'm heading to thing. LA. This is yeah. my way of telling you I'm going to LA, guys. <laughs> Ugh, nightmare. God, I hope everyone got that reference. I was Fresh Prince of Bel Air, folks. For We're old. Uh, they, they might not know it. I I actually saw a thing that said uh, Will Smith is now the age that Doctor or Uncle Phil was. No way. Yeah, really, cool. really terrible for my own self-esteem, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, Gavin, the other day I had uh, I had this moment of great adult serendipity mm. that just I mean adult good I really news felt, or is this just is this adult good news? I guess I don't know if I'm just getting old or what, but no, um, no. So <laughs> I come home for lunch. I notice the garbage was still here. Nor it, our garbage guy was late, so it was there, and I was like. As a as a as an adult, that ticked me a little bit, you know. But so Caitlin leaves a note for me. She goes, "Can you clean the kitty litter?" And I was like, "Fine, yeah, I'll clean the kitty litter." I scoop the kitty litter, and I go, "You know what? This is stinky. I'm taking this straight out, straight oh, wow. out to the yeah. curb. It's still there. I sure. Put, I put it. I put it in the garbage can. Not sixty seconds later, garbage truck comes, Incredible. picks up the poop. That timing. Bro, the timing. I loved it. It was great for me." How is it for you? <laughs> you know, uh, just, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm always big. You know, I love the city of Columbia for several reasons, but one of them is also the app that they have. And it tells you which week is recycling week and which one is just normal trash pickup week. And it's always yeah. helpful because, you know, you might, sometimes you just like look around at your neighbors and say, did they put the recycling out? Oh, maybe you it's look, recycling you, week. You but, look like you're cheating on a test in, in yeah, high school and, or something. <laughs> but then, but like sometimes when you cheat on a test, not always the right answer. No, That's why you gotta look at the, the app and you're like, sometimes. Ah. <laughs> oh man, I think I had a, one of those college PTS dreams the other night. I'm trying to think, like a math class or something like that. I was good at those. I was good at maths. It's just one of the, I, I never took a college level math class. I took Spanish instead. Which, what about in college? No, I didn't take a college level one. I probably should have instead of Spanish because woof, that was not good. But um, <laughs> ideas me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just one of those dreams. Where you're like, oh. Had one of those college dreams again that I failed an entire class. I never had those in college, yeah. I didn't have it in college. I, I had it after college. I never had it in school. I never had a dream about school. I, I always tried to maximize the coolness of my dreams. Constant. Mm. I, I, am, I, am I, what is it when you can control your own dreams? Destiny. <laughs> Fate, <I laughs> exactly know. right. Yes, yes, yes. Lucid I don't know. I don't dreaming. have that ability. Lucid dreaming. Lucid dreaming. <laughs> you can practice lucid dreaming and you can control it. This sounds like a whole separate do pod. Too. I don't do it. I don't do it. I don't do it anymore. It was, it was, oh, it was again too real. It, was again too real. to Grateful Dead and Tool. And then... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we're too busy uh, processing the fact that we might be in assimilation like that one professor from Clemson told us. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm big on that. I've been talking about how we're in assimilation for a while now. Well, right? yeah, we were watching a lightning storm the other day in Edisto and we're like, okay, if it lightnings right now, we're proving that we're in assimilation. And then sure yes. enough, boom. I mean, I know that's, that's like, how you, you know. know a rare chance, but you see it and you're like, "This is getting sloppy, guys." You <laughs> yeah, come up on, your ram. come on, up your ram, fellas. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> time to upgrade the OS. 
<laughs> oh. <laughs> you got a lot, of, a lot of garbage apps running in the background. Come on, guys. <laughs> no one's even paying attention anymore. Anyway, Gavin, great talking to yeah. you. Please call in. Let us know Give us a shout, what folks. you are a student of later in life. Come on, Yeah. Folks. Tell us if you're controlling your dreams or yeah, the dreams of others. <laughs> What's your favorite conspiracy theory? Let us know. Call we in. might put it on the air. <laughs> no, oh, I no will. Promises. If it's if it's if it's PG thirteen or under, as long as uh, we convert it on. Honestly, if it's G, I probably won't put it on. That's a little. That's a little. Strike the balance. Stuff. Give us a good one. Eight zero three five six three seven one six nine. Thanks for listening to the pod and show us your appreciation also by leaving us a review on iTunes. And you can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. You've taught me two things now. Do you remember the first thing that you taught me? How to love. (laughs) Hold on. I'm going to put that at the end. (laughs)